We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Hello and welcome to the Situation Report today. Very glad to have you joining me. This is the show where we do our very best to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stolnicker. I am your host and I'm very glad to have you joining the conversation today. The world is a crazy place. Now that may seem like a bit of an understatement (laughs) to you. Uh, Man, there are so many crazy things going on in the world and it's hard to keep track of all of them. Uh, I'm going to share one with you here in just a second, but I want to first outline my basic premise for today's conversation, and uh, this is a little bit perhaps of a different episode than normal. I personally believe that in our world, if things are going well, they're going well because there are good leaders in place. Maybe that's in your home, or maybe that's in a business, maybe that's in a country, if there is a country in our world where things are going well. If things are going well, that's because there is a good leader in place. If things are not going well, it's also because the leader that's there is a leader who's not very effective. It has been said, and I won't quote the person that I have been told said this because I don't know that it's right. (laughs) I don't know who said it. Uh, I've seen this attributed to a lot of different people. It has been said that everything rises and falls on leadership. Rises because of good leaders or falls because of bad leaders. Now, you may be in a, a workplace environment or another environment where there are good leaders, but the leader or the upper level of leadership not effective, and that impacts everything else that's happening in your world. Uh, We understand that. Uh, But the friction that is caused, even when there are good leaders who still make things happen, the friction caused by a bad leader on top uh, sometimes can be insurmountable. I, I bring this to this conversation on this show for this reason. I think that when we see the chaos in our world, When we see so much confusion politically uh, in our communities, sometimes in our homes, in our workplaces, when we're trying to navigate the world around us, as we discuss so often here, we need to realize that good leadership makes navigating well possible. And so much of the confusion and the chaos that we're all living through is because of a lack of leadership. But here's my premise. Here is my thesis, if you will. We are all, on some level, created to lead. On some level, we are all leaders. I think the challenge for many of us is that we believe there are those who are leaders and those who are not. Those who are in a position of leadership and then everyone else. And yet what we need to understand is that we were created to lead where we are. Now, maybe our definition of leadership is wrong. Maybe uh, we've been convinced that leadership is a title or it's some particular role. Uh, Leadership 
is leveraging what you have for the benefit of others. It's carrying other people's for, uh, other people forward using the resources that you've been given to steward over. Good leaders understand this. Bad leaders do not. And we need to grow in our ability as leaders, whether at home or in another environment. I'm going to talk uh, for a minute specifically about how to do that. But I want to give you a recent example of a, um, I don't know if he's always a bad leader, but this is bad leadership. Uh, I started by saying the world's a crazy place. It's hard to keep up with all the crazy stories, but this guy is in the news a lot. Maybe you've heard his name. It's Elon Musk. This guy is <laughs> always in the news. Um, purchased Twitter, of course. We talked about that on this show before. And and he he seems to have chosen as his way to communicate with the employees in his company, uh, his platform, Twitter. And he's there all the time. He's very active. He responds to folks. History will have to determine, and probably a long time from now, history will determine if overall uh, he's been a good leader or not. Uh, certainly a brilliant person and has some unusual talents that others don't have. But this is an indication or a case of bad leadership. I'm going to read part of this article from um, uh, NBC's website. There are a hundred different places you could go for this information. This is not partisan in any way. This is just a factual accounting of what happened this week as we're recording this episode uh, between Elon Musk and one of his employees. I'm going to start reading this article. Elon Musk on Tuesday backed down from his attacks on a disabled Twitter employee who was laid off by the company and apologized for what he called a misunderstanding. <laughs> if you have not followed this, you need to go read some on this. Um, this whole thing is laid out on Twitter. They communicated on Twitter. All of this is, is found there, so go check it out. Um, but Elon Musk backed down and apologized for his attacks on a disabled Twitter employee, labeling it as a misunderstanding. On Tuesday, the Twitter uh, CEO questioned the work performance of, and I'm going to say this name wrong, this uh, gentleman lives in Iceland, so I'm probably going to get this wrong. Haraldur Thorlifsson. You know I got that wrong. He goes by Halley, so we'll talk about Halley, who he said has done almost no work for the past four months. Musk is also the CEO of electric car manufacturer Tesla. He said, quote, I would like to apologize to Halley for my misunderstanding of his situation. Musk tweeted late Tuesday, it was based on things I was told that were untrue, or in some cases true, but not meaningful. He is considering remaining at Twitter, Musk, uh, Musk added. Thorlifsson, a disabled Icelandic entrepreneur, found himself drawn into a war of words with Musk after asking about the status of his employment. Thorlifsson and Twitter, which no longer has a communications department, did not respond to questions from CNBC on the spat by the time of publication. On Monday, Thorlifsson, 45, tweeted Musk saying that he had been locked out of his work computer for several days and failed to get a response from Twitter's human resource department on whether he had been fired. He suggested he may have been one of 200 employees reportedly let go by the company in February. Thorlifsson lives and works on the Icelandic or in the Icelandic capital, uh, capital uh, Reykjavik, with his wife and two children. Musk, an avid user of Twitter, replied by asking Thorlifsson, what work have you been doing? To which Thorlison responded saying he saved the company $500,000 on a software as service contract and led prioritization of design projects. 
When Musk probed for more details, Thorlison identified the SAAS contract. Uh, he saved the company money on as the design platform Figma and said his priorita- prioritization work related to all active design projects. Musk proceeded to respond with two laughing face emojis and later tweeted a link to a clip from Office Space, a comedy movie that parodies office working culture, where an employee is asked, quote, what would you say you do here? Following the back and forth with Musk, Thorlifson said he was informed by Twitter's head of human resources that he had been sacked. Musk proceeded to criticize Thorlifson over his work performance at the company, saying he did no actual work, claimed as his excuse that he had a disability that prevented him from typing, yet was simultaneously tweeting up a storm. Um, a lot of other stuff here. I'll continue reading. After Twitter use, uh, after a Twitter user said he had worked with Thorlison directly and found his work ethic next level, Musk says he gave Thorlison a video call to figure out what's real versus what I was told. He then apologized and suggested Thorlison was even considering staying at Twitter. There's a lot more to this article. Uh, one of the funny things, to me at least, funny things. So Musk, uh, Musk just completely characterized this guy without knowing anything about him. Uh, not only was he apparently a good employee who did good things for Twitter, but in 2022, he was the Iceland person of the year. <laughs> He's the person of the year in a country. Uh, he is that well-respected and well-liked, and yet Musk blasted him publicly, even when uh, Thorlifson asked that the conversation be taken private. Musk kept it public, even talking about things that would be protected in a workplace environment. This is bad leadership. Uh, Maybe it's intentional. Maybe there are some other things behind it. I don't know. But this illustrates how even in our country, people at the highest echelons of leadership, those who are uh, really in so many ways running our world, are not good at it. They're just not good at it. Uh, They have enough resources, enough money and opportunity to get things done, even though they're not good at leading. And this is just one example of many that we could pull out. If we went into the realm of politics, we would see thousands of bad leaders from the top all the way down to our local communities. Uh, Leadership is something that is absolutely wanting in our nation and yet in so many places does not exist. Now, there are plenty of people that have the name leader on their name tag or on their title somewhere, on their employment paperwork. They are the leader, but they don't truly understand leadership. And if we're going to move forward as a culture, if we're going to move forward as a country, we've got to get this leadership thing figured out. Uh, But I want to bring it down for us. If we're going to move forward in our families in our local communities where we can have an influence, in our churches, and the other places that we can actually leverage what we have for others, then we need to take upon ourselves the responsibility of leadership, grow in our leadership, and leverage what we have to make the world around us, our world, a better place. And and this is so important. Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching the MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, 
and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For our exclusive listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free offer with promo code SITREP. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square to buy the one, get one free offer. Enter promo code SITREP or call 800-870-0283 to get your MyPillow 2.0 now. Uh, I've spent a couple of episodes recently talking about how, how vital it is that we do what we can do, how important it is that we control what we can actually control, how we do uh, with what we have for the benefit of others. And leadership is one of those areas. Uh, maybe we can't change the world. Maybe none of us will ever be the president of the United States. Maybe some of you will be. I don't know. Uh, but, but perhaps that's out of our reach. Uh, maybe we won't run a major company. Maybe we will. I don't know. But the reality is all of us have been given areas where we can be leaders. So how do we grow as leaders? And I'd, I'd love to give you just some thoughts today that can help you grow personally as a leader. Uh, maybe you're leading in your home. Maybe it is a workplace environment. Maybe it's something else. Um, wherever it is, how can you grow as a leader? I want to give you three things that you can think about. <clears throat> and, and you can ask the question, why are we talking about this on this show? Because if we get this, then we begin to impact our world, which then impacts the rest of the world. Focus where you can focus. Do what you can do. Number one, understand that leadership is personal. Understand that leadership is personal. How are you going to grow as a leader? Well, first of all, nail this one down. <laughs> leadership is personal. Your leadership journey needs to start with learning to be a better leader yourself. Uh, so often we see leaders, as I mentioned, who just don't get it, but we need to experience growth in our own lives before we can try to help others. Uh, this goes back to a conversation we had about focusing on the foundations, building on the foundations, build on the foundation of your own leadership, be a better leader. Here's what happens in most workplace cultures, most workplace environments. Here's what happens. We don't agree with those who are in charge the boss, the manager, the leader, we don't agree with it. And we spend most of our time focusing on how bad they are instead of focusing on ourselves, instead of becoming the very best leaders that we can be, instead of developing the character that allows us to lead character. That's being the best that we can possibly be, even when no one else is watching, focusing on the roles that we've been given, the people that we've been called to lead. Understand that leadership is personal. Focus where you are. What does this mean? This means read books. <laughs> and there are a lot of them, like 50,000 titles on Amazon dealing with leadership. Read books on growing personally as a leader. Practice the principles that you learn in those books with those around you. Ask yourself, take an inventory of the resources that you have, and then look at how you can use those resources for others, opportunities, skills, um, the, the, the intangibles that you possess that you can use to be a leader and to help others grow themselves. Focus where you are. Stop spending your life talking about how bad other people are at leadership, and instead spend some time 
becoming the leader that you need to be, that you were created to be. Perhaps that focus will carry you up the leadership ladder. Maybe it will carry you out of that environment into another environment where you can lead better. Maybe it will just keep you where you are, but allow you to entirely fulfill the purpose that you have been given and influence the people that are in your world. Focus where you are. Be the leader that you have been called to be. Leadership is personal. Uh, I'll, I'll say this with that understanding that leadership is personal. Uh, that also means <laughs> that it's not comparative, that you're not supposed to, as you grow as a leader, spend your life focused on comparing with other leaders. We can learn from other leaders. We can follow what other leaders do. Uh, certainly taking principles from their own leadership, good or bad. Uh, but this is also not comparative. Uh, I'm not as good as them or I'm better than them. That's not what this is about. Leadership is personal. Grow where you are. Become the leader that you need to be. Focus on leveraging what you have for the benefit of others. Number two, um, this is important. Don't compartmentalize. Don't compartmentalize. <laughs> okay? Here's what I'm saying. Don't compartmentalize your leadership. Be a leader. Don't do leadership. This is so important. Don't compartmentalize. Don't say something like this. I will be a leader at work. I will be a leader in this particular environment where I am expected to lead. I will lead. And then there are other environments where I'm not expected to lead. I'm not saying being, be in charge everywhere you go. But I am saying focus on fundamentally being a leader. Don't just do leadership. I have had this conversation with many, many folks over the years who are strong leaders at work, coming from the world that I come from, strong leaders in a military environment, and yet are absolutely lost if they're outside of that environment. If they find themselves in a, in a home situation, no idea how to function <laughs> in a home, uh, or they lose the job where they were the leader, now they're in another job, no idea how to lead. Moving from one place to another, uh, their ability to lead is completely lost because they compartmentalized. They learned how to lead in a particular environment, but weren't truly leaders. Be a leader. Uh, be someone who has the character of leadership, who, who is, is leading all of the time. A lot of this is because of a faulty definition of leadership. I, I gave you my definition a little while ago, just mentioned it. Uh, leadership to me is helping people go from where they are to where they need to be. When I think of leaders, I think of people who have gifts, have abilities, have talents, have opportunities, and they take those and leverage them for the benefit of others. If that's how you view leadership, serving others, you view leadership through that lens, then you can lead regardless of the environment regardless of the uniform you wear or don't wear, the company name on the door that you walk through to get to your desk, uh, regardless of where you stand or sit, you can lead because leadership is all about serving others. And you should focus on developing as a person that realizes that, that understands that, and that leverages what they have. Being a leader means that you will move the people in your life forward regardless of circumstance or situation. Techniques can be helpful. Certainly they are. 
If you have a technical job of some kind, you need to be an expert at that. Those are very, very helpful. But knowing the techniques, having the knowledge, those don't make you a leader. A leader is one who leverages what they have for the benefit of those around them. Don't simply do leadership. Focus on being a leader. A lot more could be said there, but I'll move on to number three. And this is in the same vein. Number three, leadership begins with you, but it's not about you. Leadership begins with you, but it's not about you. One of the challenges that so many so-called leaders in our country have is they think that if they are the leader, that everything is about them. You've known people like this. Maybe you've worked with people like this or seen them in you know some other environment. Uh, they are the leader. They are the one in charge. Maybe they started the thing or um, they have been promoted to a position of leadership. Whatever the case, they're at the top of the org chart. And the conclusion they've come to based on that is not that they should leverage what they have for the benefit of those that they lead, but that now everything is about them. The entire organization is about them. Uh, The entire environment that they lead in, it's all about them. The people who are lower than them on the org chart uh, really are there to uh, serve them in some capacity or another. Leadership may begin with you. What do I mean by that? I mean, you're the one investing in those that you're leading. It begins with you, but it's not about you. Being a leader is not viewing the world through the lens of who's in charge. It's about leveraging what you have. It's about serving. Your pursuit of growth as a leader should be framed by your desire to help others. Do you hear that? Your pursuit of growing as a leader should be framed by your desire to help others. When you're living your life to invest in other people, to help other people, to promote and lift up other people, you're leading. The problem is our world does not view leadership that way. Our world, unfortunately, views leadership (laughs) as being the loudest, the most aggressive, the one with the biggest vision, the one who can rally people around them. All of those things can be helpful in leadership, but none of those things make you a leader. They may make you loud or aggressive or someone with a big vision, but you're a leader when you take that and invest in other people. I recently taught on leadership and I had a lady come up to me at the end of that talk and and she said, I, I'm married to someone, my husband, who is an incredible leader, but they're very quiet. <laughs> In fact, no one really identifies them as a leader, but if something needs to be done, he's the first one to go and find the right people and get the resources together and make it happen. He does that all of the time. and People love working with him. She was telling me that story, and she asked me on the other side of that, is that what leadership looks like? She had heard what I said about servant leadership and those kind of things, and she was thinking about her husband as I was talking, and she said, is that what leadership looks like, or or is there something more to it than that? My answer to her is, is what I'll tell you. That's exactly what leadership is. 
Because that type of person, the person that understands things needs, need to get done, leverages what they have, rallies the right people around them, and gets the work done with no fanfare, without a lot of applause, that's the one who's actually leading. Although someone else may get the credit, someone else may be seen as the quote-unquote leader, that's the person who's actually leading. <laughs> and the reason they're able to get things done and the reason people come around them, follow them, is because they're investing, they're with them, they're leading. This is so important. The reason our nation is upside down is because we are being led by people that think that their position is all about them. It's getting their agenda. It's doing what they want to do. Whatever the case, it's all about them. Instead of understanding that their role, particularly in America, where we talk about a representative government, they're supposed to represent the people that elected them. They don't see their role as representing others, as leveraging what they have for the benefit of others. It's all about politicking. It's all about using things and getting people on their side so they can pursue some kind of a personal agenda. And so we're a mess because those in charge don't understand leadership. But we could take that all the way down into our homes. And when things are working well, it's because there are some people there that understand this. When things aren't, when there's friction, where there is conflict, people are at odds with one another. It's because those people are each trying to get their own will instead of investing in the good of others. You cannot control necessarily what happens in Washington, what happens in other places. We do our best to leverage what influence we have to help the right people get elected and get into the right places. Maybe you're one of those people who needs to get into the right place. But at the end of the day, we are all leaders. We've all been created to lead. We've all been called to lead. We all have an opportunity to lead. And we can make a real difference if only we will. Will you lead? Are you growing as a leader? I hope that you are. Please take some time, if you have not yet, to subscribe to this podcast. And uh, we're doing a lot of things here. I <laughs> We've been on this podcast for quite a while, and hopefully you've been following along. And we're trying to get more focused all the time on uh, really providing... I say perspectives and resources, certainly uh, providing what you need to see the world right, to understand it well, to be able to navigate it well. And we are constantly taking steps to uh, get the right kind of guests on, have the right conversations, even spend some time once in a while pulling over to the side of the road and having conversations like this to equip you to live the life that God created you to live, even though the world is crazy as it certainly is. And I've spent a lot of my life feeling bad about how bad the world is. And really now just want to invest my life in uh, navigating in a good way in the context of the world in which I live. Uh, I've said this so often, and this applies even to this conversation about leadership. I've said this so often, and I say it a lot because I need to be reminded of it a lot, that God knew exactly the time frame, the moment in history in which we'd be alive. God knew that. Uh, there have been other super chaotic times in history, by the way. A lot of crazy stuff's happened in the past. And sometimes we look fondly back to those times and we think it must have been great. 
I'm sure there's some great stuff, but some really hard stuff as well. God knew when we'd be alive. He gave us what we needed to be all that he wants us to be. And instead of feeling bad about it, cursing it, maybe concluding that we can't do anything about it, uh, we need to be as equipped as possible to leverage what we have to make a real difference. And that begins at home. Uh, That really starts with us taking responsibility for the things that we can control, which isn't everything. But what we can control, we need to control. So let's work on that. Let's focus on that. Let's build on that. Let's develop uh, spiritually. Let's develop relationally. Let's develop as leaders so that we can equip others to go forward and do what they've been called to do as well. And we can look at the time in which we live as something crazy and out of control and uh, maybe even unnecessary somehow. (laughs) Uh, Or we can look at it as a great opportunity. I hope that you'll look at it as an opportunity. And I hope that you will allow us to help, at least in a small way, equip you. So please make sure that you're subscribed to this show. Go check out our YouTube channel. Go over to YouTube. You can find our channel there. Search for The Situation Report. And uh, we have so many great episodes there, a great archive of episodes and conversations and um, just a lot of good material there. Please go and check that out as well. And I believe that can be a help to you. So thank you for joining this conversation. Thank you for listening. If you're watching, thank you for doing that. Please share this out with others. And that would be fantastic as well. Look forward to talking with you next time. Many of you know that my day job is working for an organization called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. I've had the opportunity to work with the Mighty Oaks Foundation for a little over 10 years now and very grateful for that opportunity. I served in the United States Marine Corps and left in 2003. When I came back from Iraq and got out of the Marine Corps, I transitioned and had some of the same struggles that many of our veterans today have. Uh, That transition time can be very, very difficult. I moved on with the help and support of my family and others in my close-knit community and really, in many ways, tried to walk away from my service. It was too hard, too difficult for me to look back, to remember, to stay connected, and so I chose not to. About 10 years after I walked away, I was reconnected with many of the men that I had served with in Iraq and even before that Iraq deployment and came to understand that so many of the men that I served with did not do well. I came home and I struggled, but I had a family around me and I had a community around me that helped me to get back on my feet and continue moving forward. So many of those that I had served with, however, did not have the same opportunity. They came home and didn't have that family around them, that community that could lift them up. And so they made some decisions, decisions that we talk about often in the veteran community. I was reminded about 10 years after my service that some of the men that I served with in Iraq came home and struggled and decided that it would be best for them to end their lives. Others who had not taken their lives, but who had struggled from one relationship to the next, from one job to another, and had never really gotten back on their feet. I learned after 10 years that walking away from my military service was not really an option. (laughs) You see, we think we can hang our uniform in the closet for the last time and walk away, but our obligation to those that we served with remains. It was at that time that I had the opportunity to get connected to the Mighty Oaks Foundation. It was just getting started. I met our founder, Chad Robichaux, and together we began to work on what is today a national nonprofit serving veterans 
active duty service members, and more and more, the first responders in our community. That's what we do. You see, Chad served in the Marine Corps as well, and both of us have an understanding, and so many of the folks, many, many folks that work with us now who served in the military and in the first responder community understand that we may get out, we may hang the uniform up, but we still have an obligation to care for those who have served or are serving. That's exactly what we do at the Mighty Oaks Foundation every single day. We run programs across the country for those who have served, veterans, or are serving, active duty service members, those who are serving in their community as first responders, police officers and firefighters, and others in that first responder community. We serve them by helping them to understand that there is life beyond their service, that their identity should be wrapped up in more than a uniform or a job that they've done or are doing, that there is a purpose, that there is a plan. In fact, that God, the Creator, has something He intends for them. And that if they'll simply align their lives to the life that He has for them, so much of the trauma, so much of the difficulty, so much of their past, so many of those things that have a hold on them, they may not go away, but they won't maintain the hold and the control. Here's the message we try to convey and communicate. There is hope. And there is a community of people found within the Mighty Oaks Foundation that understand where you've been because we've been there. We don't have it all figured out. We're certainly not perfect, but we've taken some steps to move forward and we want to take you with us. That's what we do. How do we do that? Again, by communicating the fact that there is hope, by connecting with others who've been there and know how to move forward and by getting around you and supporting you as you begin to take those very important steps yourself. The Mighty Oaks Foundation is blessed to have supporters across the country that make it possible for us to do the work that we do at no cost to the veteran, the active duty service member, or the first responder. For you to attend our program, you simply need to set aside five days and come to one of our locations, one of our facilities. We'll do the rest. There will be no cost to you for the program, no cost for the transportation to get you to the program. We do all of the planning and all of the logistics. You simply need to get there. We want to remove every obstacle for you to get the help, the encouragement, the strengthening, <laughs> the hope, the renewal that you need. We're thankful for the opportunity to do that. Perhaps you are not a veteran or a service member. You're not in the first responder community, but you care about those who have served and are serving our communities. Well, you may fall into the other category then. Perhaps you're someone that can support what we do financially to make it possible for those folks to come along. Maybe your support is not financial support, but you know someone in your community, in your town, in your church, uh, in a club, or something else that you're a part of that could use this kind of support and encouragement. Plug them in. Let us help them. Let us get them on the road. No cost to them. We want to do the work, but we need you to get them to us. That was a lot of words. If you listen to the show, you know I say a lot of words sometimes. So let me point you to the one place where you can get all of your questions answered. MightyOaksPrograms.org is our website. MightyOaksPrograms.org. There you will find more information about what we do as an organization, 
There's an application for those who would like to apply. Fill that out, application out. Our team will get back to you, set everything else up. If you would like to support the work of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, you'll find a place to do that there as well. And there is also a section for resources. So many of you know people who need help but may not start by coming to a program, attending a program, but they would read a book, they would watch a video, they would listen to a testimony. We have those resources there for you as well. So please come and join us at the Mighty Oaks Foundation's website, mightyoaksprograms.org. Our veterans, active duty members, and first responders need our support. Maybe you're in that category. You need our support. And that begins by going to the Mighty Oaks Program's website, mightyoaksprograms.org.